can't wait to bring home all the the floppy broken ones. Hello world, I'm your knockout girl. It's misbehavior, Welcome listeners to Misbehavior Journal Club. I'm Amiel Moreno, PhD, here with Leah Crawford, BAMF. And we are two scientifically trained and certifiably funny females bringing you the behind the scenes look at the latest neuroscience research with humor, accuracy, and humanity. So, um, I'm a florist now. Mazeltov. I guess I, um, always dreamt about a dream job when I was younger. And I was like, well, what dream jobs are like very easily attainable <laughs> with a low yeah. amount of effort? Dream small. Dream it small. And one of them was working in a flower shop. Nice. Everything smells good. Everything's beautiful. True. You're making people happy all the time. There is one kind of flower that smells like hospital. And I don't think that's just because I formed an association because <laughs> there were flowers in a hospital. It uh. stinks like a hospital. But most other flowers, I'm sure, are nice. Yeah, maybe in a botanical garden, you'll come across those ones that smell like rotting flesh. But mm. less popular are the floral bouquets, commercially <laughs> sold. Ah, different criteria. Well, I guess so. Fascinating. So I was walking back to my car after having a brunch with a friend, and I saw this sign in a flower shop looking for workers, and I just went in, and four days later, they gave me a job there. Hey! I know! Nice! It's so random and weird, and I think I'm crazy, but... um. I tried to tailor my resume so that it would be appealing for a flower shop. I had to go back in time and look at old resumes to pull out stuff when I was actually doing customer service. Yep. You got your PhD. That stands for flower doctorate. Yes. Yes. They don't know that flowers. <laughs> I think they know how flowers felt. Anywho, so I was trying to like take some of my experience working with a mouse colony and make that a transferable skill. Yeah. I was like, I'm used to taking care of living things on a schedule mm -hmm. and managing them. Then in the meeting, I was like, and at least here, my subjects won't be running away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I was yeah, like, way better. A little cute. I love it. They do have longer tails, though. Yeah, that I won't be chopping off. Wait, 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 no, 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 I'm sorry. Oh. I mean, like, you sometimes do the tip of the tail. Yep. I did tail snips once, once, <laughs> uh, to cover for a lab mate. And in the notes oh. section of my notebook for each mouse, I just wrote, I hate this. 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 Okay, so I don't know the exact circumstances around your tail snips, but if people don't know... <laughs> Occasionally you have special mice that you need to verify that they have a specific genetic marker. There's there's certain type. They either have a gene or they've been bred so they do not have it. And so you have to check that by preferably a young age before they're, they, it would be more sensitive. You clip a piece of tissue off of the end of their tail, usually the tip of their tail, and you go and you lice it up and you break it up and you test for those genes. And you can either do that by testing in-house, or you can drop it in a little mailbox um, that's out by the microwave. And the nice people at, what, Transnetics, they will pick it up every so often. Yeah, that sounds like a core. I was in charge of doing that testing for one of my uh, laboratories in the past. Nice. But I never had to clip the tails, and I felt bad <laughs> if I messed up. On my analysis, it meant There's that somebody <laughs> had to go back and clip the uh -huh. Oh, it's so mm -hmm. sad. I prefer ear punches, honestly. I've done those. It's fine. It's just like a whole punch of paper. And then your mousy has a hole or two for, for, for an earring, like a pirate, if it wants. Which it never will, no. because it can't. <laughs> but in theory. But hey... So um, that is my new part-time job. I'm still applying for a lot of uh, science communication and science editing work, and I'm just throwing out so many different resumes. I just recently redid mine so that it's not a traditional like block of text. Now it has two columns, and one of them even has like a profile section with a little paragraph. Like it's Ooh. fancy and new style. And nice. Yeah. Innovative. 
as soon as I get a job that will pay me, I don't know, like nine times more than I will be making at the flower shop, <laughs> I will give my two weeks notice. Nice. I cannot overstate the value of a job like that, first of all, pays you and lets you eat, but also gives you something hands-on with experience with a lot of different mm-hmm. living beings. Mm. You learn a lot of shit that way. Totally. And I'm just get, getting like crazy with applying and, and not getting jobs. And I just, I wanted... You need a win. Yeah, I needed a win. And as soon as I get this job and I, my feet are under me, I know I will get a real job. Because that's just how when things... When it rains, it pours. When you're in the bathroom, the phone rings. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, hearkening back to a day when phones rang. Yeah, I've noticed you just don't answer yours when it rings. Okay, I have my phone on silent (laughs) for, first of all, it actually started when I usually was in and out of a behavior suite or a surgical suite, but Mm -hmm. it actually goes back to this uh, moment. Come back with me. It's 2002 or something. (laughs) I'm in sixth grade. My dad and I are talking about my grades, which are suboptimal. And in the middle of that talk, <laughs> an AIM chat message comes up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just stops and he's like, you're working with this constant distraction machine in <gasps> front of you at all times. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, yes, it would appear that I am. And you know what? It makes a fucking difference. Oh, this is a parents are right type situation, not a, oh, no, they're going to take away my fun situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Nope. That particular cat was already out of that particular bag. But it's amazing what a difference it makes to have someone just tug at your sleeve all the time. I am so happy wow that i'm not responsible for any smaller living being right now Uh i was just thinking about that i was just thinking about all the brain power that i get to have because i don't have to take care of a smaller living being i've been meaning to bring up you uh, haven't been spending quality time with the show lately i think that maybe some of that a smaller living being yes it needs to be nurtured and supported and encouraged that's true like a flower uh, yep, like a flower. Wait. I'm very happy that you have that gig. Thanks. That's a wonderful, yeah. It's just a nice way to spend your time, even though it's, like, it's still work, but it's yeah. nice work if you can get it. And I, um, I'm going to delete that because <laughs> last show I cringed every time I heard myself sing. Oh. Ugh. I was like, why, Amiel, why? I'm familiar with the phenomenon. Speaking of why, (laughs) I put accuracy in our intro little word thing, because there's accuracy has has come up in my life recently. Uh Uh-huh. My Maps app on my phone got miscalibrated. And I tried to recalibrate it. It works now. Mm-hmm. But there was a period of time, Amiel, during which my phone thought I was like half a block east of where I actually was. Was it consistently inaccurate yes. in that direction? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And so I'd be like barreling down I-75 and <gasps> it would think I'm tearing through yards. And it would just be like, <laughs> turn left, turn left, make a U-turn. Do not hit the postman. Yeah. And like, yeah, like at no point did it stop to say like, what are you doing? (laughs) We have alerted the police. But actually, I mean, yeah, that ties into all the other good stuff about tech and the way we live now and decisions and autonomy. But like, Jesus Christ, you're not going to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just... It was a really wonderful experience. First of all, feeling so vindicated for always having like backup directions written down. Oh, okay. (laughs) You always want that because sometimes your phone will fully be half a block off. But also it it just reminded me of the importance of proprioception. Mm. How fucked would we be if we were even just a bit off? 
The answer mm-hmm. is eventually not so fucked because we would course correct because we have brains and that's what makes them special. Mm-hmm. Just like those uh, old studies with the goggles that make you perceive that things are slightly in a wrong direction or upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Good old prisms. Yeah, and you can't do that when you have cerebellum damage. That was the study, right? That sounds right. I don't want to say 100% because I have a couple more corrections coming up for wrong shit I said last episode. Oh, I don't want you to fall in love with the correction corner. I want you to use it responsibly. I don't... (laughs) I... Want you to love yourself first before you I step love myself into enough the correction to correct corner. Things I say. Okay. One yes. of the things I love about myself is yeah. that I'm very good at eating shit and saying, "Wow, that was a wrong thing I said." Yes. Okay. That's a skill. Good. That's a valuable trait. It is. <laughs> so what? What? Where did you fuck up this time, Leah? Amiel. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about fluorescence, and I was riffing on inside knowledge, which mm-hmm. theoretically I have. Mm-hmm. And so I was just saying, 485, if you know, you know. I didn't know. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> At the time, I was not accessing the knowledge that I have that it's 488, 408 mm-hmm. nanometers. Yeah. Yeah, that gives you that nice green. Um, and I mean, it's not like 485 doesn't give you green. It's just not <laughs> green. <laughs> I want to fill in the audience that she let me know that she made that mistake. And she asked me to see if I could somehow correct it for just her. Just take it out. <laughs> yeah, just take it out or change it so that she says the right thing. And when I was trying to, I was like, okay, what she said was 485. And what she wanted to say was 488. Well, eight is in the syllable 80 or the two. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I, <wasn't> <laughs> I was telling my, myself correct. yourself, bitch. <laughs> so I was like, I could presumably just change it to 480 and then use the eight part of the 80 to make it 88. But for the life of me, I could not tease apart that from horrible, ugly sweater that has been woven together. I couldn't remove the patch that had been put on it. And uh, mm. it would have turned into 48080. <laughs> 48080. Yep. So I just, I just let it ride. But uh, again, just like the context that you brought that up under, it's such a small inaccuracy. And mm-hmm. other people probably don't care. But mm. I do not doubt that you do (laughs) and that it does not like other people keep you up at night when you make those types of mistakes that's very kind of you yeah i'm like the princess and the pea Mm -hmm. but no shit my friend lexi was at a party and she sat down oh my god i cannot believe this happened and nobody else was as amazed as me she sat down on a couch and looked uncomfortable and then got back up and like was feeling the cushion, lifted the cushion up. I swear to God, there was a pea-sized object. <laughs> that then she, same size. I don't think, I'm not going to say it was a pea, but it was a pea-shaped sure. object. I was like, did anyone else, did anyone? <laughs> She's a princess. <laughs> That's fantastic. How? How did she feel that through a big, thick, like six, at least inch cushion? motherfucker yeah there's a lesson about effect size in here but i'm not i'm not not fishing it out that reminds me of this time i sat down on a couch near uh campus an undergrad and it felt like something was a little lumpy and Uh i pulled out a clean diaper oh okay just like like under the cushion yeah in between the cushion and the arm i am very glad it was clean me too (laughs) thank god for small miracles there you go uh there's one other correction i have to make which is that i was talking about drunkard's shoulder which is still my preferred term for it um i fall asleep in a weird position with my Uh head above my arm and because i'm a gargoyle and i haven't been stretching and my life is a mess and my body is a connective tissue hellscape of overgrown you know how rodents need to gnaw 
like they need to chew on stuff or in many cases yeah. their teeth will just keep growing and it'll be a problem. Uh-huh. That's where the phrase uh, long in the tooth comes from with horses because their teeth keep on growing. Oh, you can tell how old a horse is by how long their teeth are. Oh, damn. All right. I'm going to look at horses differently now. Next <laughs> time I see one, I'll be like, I know. I know the deal, horse. Um, but yeah, we think about that and we're like, what? Gross. Ew. Good thing we're not like that. <laughs> but what happens, Amiel? What happens if you spend all your time in the same position? Mm-hmm. Shit grows. You need to break it down. What grows? Connective tissue. Connective you, tissue. Okay. You know when you move and it's all crackly? She is moving a lot like this is going to help me understand <laughs> what physiological element needs to be stretched like um, the fascia or the like yeah. muscle i mean i know moving your body is essential for good health and i'm not just talking like elevated heart rate exercise just physically you know stretching and and moving in any way digestion yes one please. of the many reasons <laughs> <laughs> Like, peristalsis is one thing, those muscle contractions in your intestine that keep it mooshing along, but your body movement is another big mm -hmm. part of that. Yeah. So you bring this up because you haven't been moving enough? That is always correct. Um, but also, I was talking about palsy, that, that nerve problem that can happen when you compress that nerve by uh, being in a weird position, sleeping kind of with your arm uh, over yeah. your head and sleeping on your shoulder. The technical term for that, well, not the technical term, but the more <laughs> common term for that is Saturday night palsy. Okay. Because it's common after a night of running around, you might be inebriated and lying like that. But, <sighs> so, yeah, so that's, it's not drunkard's shoulder. It's Saturday night palsy. And it's also not my issue. It's just the issue that I found when I looked for my issue. Mm -hmm. Just want to get that out there. For more of this obsession about being correct and frequently eating of shit, please check out, <laughs> please check out Leia's Twitter at Hawks and Socks. And that's Hawks with an X. And you can follow the show on Twitter at MisbehaviorJC and Instagram at the same thing. And if you want to give me a job, you can see some very appropriate content on my Twitter, CurlsPhD. Yeah, you can. Get her out of the flower shop. <laughs> oh, I'm just a flower shop girl now. Oh my <laughs> god, you are! Yeah! Friend of the show, Emily, had this amazing idea. She's like, well, what flower shop is it? And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, in, in Belltown. She's like, no, what's the name of it? And I'm like, why? What are you going to do? And she's like, I'm going to order you flowers that you've made. And then you just say, oh, these are for me! <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Which I do not encourage our listeners to do. That would be very embarrassing at a new job. Hmm. Hmm. I kind of wish you hadn't said that. Well, there may be other floral shops in that area of Seattle. You won't be able to mm. nail it down. Mm. Oh my god, if you got the wrong flower shop and you sent me the flower shop's, like, competitors' <laughs> flowers <laughs> over to me. Yes. Plan A for oh asshole. Oh, so good. <laughs> So many flower-based pranks. Can't wait to bring home all the, the floppy, broken ones. Yes! <laughs> Ooh, and you can dry out their stems and use them to weave stuff. Weirdo. Cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have one big notable news. Are you ready for it? I have never been so ready for anything. It's not quite a feature paper because it's a story that has unfolded over the last couple years involving an uh, original study, a bunch of comments that were made on the original study, and now a follow-up that has come out just this last month. Rad. Uh, this is how science gets done. It's a bunch of layers, layers and layers and layers of people correcting themselves <laughs> and each other. <laughs> and there's a little bit of sniping that is... Uh, very amazing. I can't wait to tell you this story. I can't wait to hear it. Okay, so I'm not going... All of the information on all of these studies that I mentioned is just going to be in the show notes. You can check that out. But we will start back in 2019. Wow. Okay. What a time. 
Holy shit, that was so different from now. I'm closing my eyes and I'm saying to myself, warn her. Just try to warn her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so back in 2018, some fish had mirrors pressed up against the glass of their tanks. At first, the fish reacted socially with uh, what they might have thought was an invading fish. Um, Antisocially, rather. But that's still a type of social behavior, even if it's anti So they put on their best tough looks. And with these little fish, that means making a little O with their mouths. And I bet it's just absolutely terrifying if... If you're a fish. If you're a fish. Mm -hmm. But for us, it just looks painfully pointless and adorable. (laughs) I'll try to find a fun picture of that. So when they noticed that there was no forthcoming threat from this invading and, and posturing fish, the aggression subsided. Then the fish began to act in ways not seen before the introduction of the mirror. It was kind of like, if you remember that Groucho Marx movie where it's a man walking in front of what he thought is a mirror? No, I am unfamiliar. It's classic. It's easily found online if you search Groucho Marx mirror sketch. And it's a man who's in um, one of those old-fashioned man nightgowns with a little hat on top. Excellent. Yeah, he's in his room and he's walking past this open door, but it's right when Groucho's walking by. And so Groucho's thinking, okay, the best way I can get away with being in this man's room when I'm not supposed to be is to pretend I'm a mirror of the man. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So like that sketch, these fish begin to repeat idiosyncratic behavior near the mirror. They start to do loops. And they start to swim upside down and frequently revisit the mirror to maybe view their antics or perhaps recognize their own reflection. Or maybe they're just thinking they're playing with an imitating companion. We don't know their fish. But those are the first two stages of something called the mirror self-recognition test. So that's MSR. These little fish are doing surprisingly well under the watchful eyes of these researchers in Osaka City University. But it's on to the third stage. Passing the third stage elevates the test taker to a level of cognition previously obtained agreeably by everyone, only by humans and chimpanzees. So how you set the stage for this next phase is uh, you put a mark on the fish, and it can't be something that they can feel, can't be tactile. It can only be seen using the mirror. So the subjects, once they receive this mark, they're primed to display what is considered a hallmark of self-recognition, which is self-directed behavior using the mirror to discover what this fucking mark is. (laughs) So this research is meant to broaden this ongoing quest of cognitive behavioral researchers to assess, quote, the intentionality of non-human animal behavior. And that's from... Kawa et al. 2019, the fish paper I'm talking about. So the subcutaneous marks that they put on the fish in this paper are this little elastomer, which I guess is a type of plastic that's injected really close under the fish's skin. And oh, it, Jesus. It leaves a little brown dot that's only visible if they have a mirror because it's like under their belly. Lo and behold, they proceed to scrape those areas of their belly when they have the mirror present, perhaps with the intention to remove the coloration. Okay. Yeah, sorry. When you said subcutaneous, I my first thought was like when you give a subcutaneous injection of progesterone in oil, mm-hmm. it just kind of forms those little depots there. Oh, okay. Uh so I was like, "Oh, that sounds like a really uncomfortable little ball of whatever under your skin." Yeah. But it sounds like this is maybe not that. This is well, more like ketoprofen. That's and certainly what some right people in. said might be playing a role here. That sounds right. I just want to point out that these are researchers that have put their whole heart and soul and drag them, ad- drag them to hell. Advanced. <laughs> education to work and careers on the line and the idea of witnessing these little rubs against the aquarium gravel must have been absolutely thrilling because it always is when an animal actually processes the world in a way that you predicted that they would yeah and when they don't oh you're, it's <laughs> you're so mad at them 
we're disciplined. You know, oh. it's all part of the plan. You're still oh. getting data and it's useful, but God damn it. Oh. You want to, you want to be telekinetic. Oh. You want to get that mouse to just press the fucking God, just retrieve the pup. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> my head has just been screaming that. Mm-hmm. In a silent room illuminated only by a video <laughs> screen that allows me to see what's going on in an anechoic chamber. Just pick up the pup! <laughs> it's not that hard! <laughs> so, with these, like, little teeny rubs that these fish are doing in the gravel with no hands, they are uncovering a flawed assumption in behavioral research and awakening primate researchers' old boys club. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's my best impression. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to replace it with an actual recording. Of, oh, smart. Of a, yeah, then just like, oh, that's the Pretty. best I can do. <laughs> <laughs> so, who are these fucking fish? Uh, these are called cleaner wrasse. It's spelled W-R-A-S-S-E, but pronounced wrasse. Cleaner wrasfish, and they swim naturally anywhere from the Red Sea to the coral reefs of French Polynesia. I might be over-personifying this a bit, but just to give you a sense of who these fish are, they're they're scrappy little fellas. They have the capacity for advanced social behavior. You see, the cleaner wrasfish, what they do is they eat parasites that reside on other fish species. To pluck the small brown parasites and dead skin off a very large fish, you have to be charming or at least very clever. This is why it bothers me so goddamn much when people treat theory of mind like this like final boss of cognition. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, Do you know what happens if you don't think about what another animal might do next? <laughs> you don't get to eat its parasites. <laughs> Or maybe it eats you. Final boss. I love that. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of part of what this series of studies and discussions is, is trying to bring to light. Rad. These cleaner wrasse have demonstrated the ability to recognize old, quote unquote, client fish, fish that they've already worked with to eat their parasites from newcomers. And nice. they're also capable of determining what is known or isn't known by another cleaner wrasse. Love it. I know. So I didn't go too far into those studies, but uh, if you're interested, uh, look it up your damn self. This researcher, Nosaka, and his uh, group of other researchers, Coda, they used brown dots when they implanted the elastomer spot on the animals, which utilized this ethologically relevant identification the species always does to try to identify a parasite, which looks like a little brown dot, and tr- okay. try to get it off of the skin of their, their client fish. Oh, Presumably, if we're going to jump into the teeny little brains of these fish, they might be using the mirror. They might recognize that that's themselves. They might then have a brown dot applied to them. And when they return to their tank with the mirror, they might notice a new brown dot on themselves think it's a parasite, and want to remove it. Sure. P- potentially. Let's let's figure that out, is what the researchers thought. Hell yeah. What is their typical parasite-related behavior? Is that what they do? Is that their parasite protocol? Well, I don't know what they do if they think a parasite's on them, but their natural uh, proclivity is try to remove it from other fish. In fact, I don't know of any study that came up in any of these that I read uh, regarding their own tendency to try to remove parasites. If they are able to see it maybe on a very posterior fin or part of their body that they could see without a mirror. We've heard of positive controls. We've heard of negative controls. This would be a revolting control (laughs) that I would love to see done. Sorry, I, I, I haven't caught up with the mirror self-recognition test in a while um what about elephants and other monkeys or monkeys in general it is debated back and forth if they actually do pass the test i'm shocked (laughs) 
So this original research article by Coda in 2019, um, in it, the cleaner wrasse is joining the ranks of other organisms who have passed the MSR test. This smarty pants club includes animals like elephants, dolphins, horses, magpies, higher apes, and two-year-old humans, though some more stringent test administrators limit the admittance to this club to just chimpanzees and humans alone. All right. I said that the paper came out in 2019, but in the beginning, I said this was going on in, you know, experiments, presumably right before that, 2018. In January 2019, uh, this group of researchers published a paper titled, If a Fish Can Pass the Mark Test, What Are the Implications for Consciousness and Self-Awareness Testing in Animals? Mm, Why did we have to bring in the C word? It was going so well until... Consciousness came up. This is like how we used to hang out with this um, secular undergrad group. And it was fun to have, you know, religious debates in a context where no one actually had any theological uh, attachments. But every fucking time, you could always tell when it was time to leave because they would start talking about free will. It would never not come up. And I feel like consciousness is uh, the animal behavior version of my, oh, time to go. (laughs) (laughs) They're bringing it out. This is the juicy part I wanted to talk to you about. It's purely speculation. Since the CODA paper was submitted to PLOS Biology Journal back in July 2018, and it was not accepted or published until 2019, there must have been a hell of a lot of back and forth between the editors and the researchers. I love inferring those. Mm-hmm. This might be, if I'm right, because the stalwart king of primate research, Franz de Waal, presides over that journal. And after a lifetime of advocating for proper interpretations of animal cognitive research, Dr. de Waal was presented evidence that where monkeys, pigs, dogs, pandas, and parrots had all failed to pass the three stages of MSR a fish just had. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, this, this is indeed juicy. All right. The big question that the title of that article implies, the authors go on to clarify that they're not trying to bang on the door of self-recognition club demanding that the fish get entrance. In fact, they don't even believe that their findings, quote, should be taken as evidence of self-awareness in the cleaner wrasse, end quote. I know plenty of people who recognize themselves in a mirror and have zero (laughs) self-awareness. I'm sorry. (laughs) Have I said that before on this podcast? Names. We need names. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, what these researchers are doing is they're taking the hair that is self-awareness and they're splitting it into one- a theory of mind called self-awareness, and two, an observation of the physical self and perceiving it as part of the body of the observer. So a clumsy analogy for this might be that an animal's recognition of their tail, even though when they're not seeing it connected to themselves for some other reason, is still a part of them, does not mean that they possess theory of mind. The mere viewing is just a form of incorporeal proprioception, connecting a reflection with one's body. Sure. Yeah, I'm just digesting. The fish scraping behavior against the gravel, it's as self-directed as you can get when you don't have arms or legs. Yeah. And hey, if scraping behavior is good enough for everyone's sexy marine mammal, the dolphin, mm. then why would it not be good enough for a fish? It would be, according to the researchers, quote, taxonomically chauvinistic. Ooh, yeah, oh, I love it. Oh, snap. Love that. And, quote, risk introducing subjective taxonomic, 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 and risk introducing subjective taxonomic biases, setting moving goalposts, and precluding scientific comparison among certain taxa. End quote. You anti-fish fascist. 
this is tool use all fucking over again. Fishastist. Was <laughs> <laughs> good. Was good. Yeah. Well, I guess we know exactly who Franz B.M. DeWall is because uh, he might be guilty of being a fishassist. Okay. Damn. Franz B.M. DeWall penned a primer to accompany the issue with the fish paper in it. He gave ground by pointing out that the mark test is currently very binary. You either pass or you don't. And instead, he said, quote, we need a more gradualistic model of how animals construe the self and respond to mirrors. He then began to slash at the methodology and conclusions of the Coda et al. paper, stating that, quote, generous interpretations, end quote, led to the classification of those abnormal behaviors spontaneously displayed by the fish exposed to mirrors, indicated that the fish were knowingly playing with their reflection. And he mentioned their end size. Like, that's fucking rich coming from a primate guy. Who regularly <laughs> produce studies that have six individuals in them. Glass houses, man. Glass fucking houses. DeWall goes on to say that the Coda 2019 paper, that the findings, quote, suggest a more intermediate level of mere understanding. Even Gallup, who invented the MSR test using chimpanzees in 1970 was pulled out of cryostasis to write an article <laughs> dissecting the continually flawed interpretations and applications of his test. This is right now just making me realize if you had the ability to raise the dead, there would be a sizable number of people who would raise the dead just for postmortem vindication from their scientific heroes. <laughs> And many of them would be disappointed. That's my... Okay. Yeah. Sci-fi fantasy. You raise Golgi to have him validate your favorite theory and he just rips it to shreds. I'm just mm. imagining them all coming back and be like, ah, you're a mixed race woman who practices witchcraft. Yeah. Be gone. <laughs> that is, yeah, how a lot of... Ooh, or on that, in that same vein, you could dig up that guy who... Um, oh, yeah, him. Yeah, that you know, one fucker. The one I buried in the... Wait, who are you talking about? Oh, dear. Oh, your murder podcasts. Are some of them about they're, you? They're very uh, illustrative. <laughs> there was a guy who participated in the, you know, 19th century neuroscience, which was... Oh, lady brains are smaller than man brains, and black brains are smaller than white brains, and all of this makes perfect sense, because mm -hmm. white men are the smartest, and their brains are the biggest, and when this guy died, they <laughs> weighed his brain, and it was either smaller than or equal to the, the weight of the average woman's at the time. No fucking which, way! Like, I love talk it! Talk about bets you don't make! Oh. Not that he will ever know, but that's why you bring him back to life, just to tell him. <laughs> yeah, just to rub his nose in it. Rub his cortex and that shit. Okay. <laughs> this is all dripping with academic politeness, but basically what it reads is, you can't use this test. Stay away from mirrors. And then I learned, don't piss off fish people. <laughs> Do you know how many fish there are? Yeah, lots. Way more fish than chimpanzees. Coda et al. doubled down on the mirror test and published another study. Tell me about it. First intermission. Um, I'd like to tell PLOS Biology, why don't you make it easier to find out where the research is conducted? I cannot find information on the location of their authors. Also, they don't provide a citation button? You fucking twits. <laughs> that is, um, I don't know if it's PLOS specifically, but there are journals where it's easier to download the PDF mm -hmm. and then have it listed there. Yeah. It's like, that's an extra step that I should not have to take. It's either I shouldn't that have to lift my finger. Well, it's a if, trackpad, so I guess it's... But, um, yeah? If it's an open source journal... Or what I end up having to do is highlight the name of the journal and then put it into Google Scholar 
so that I can get the citation button. Mm. It's rough. It's rough out here. And that was intermission. (laughs) Dota et al. clapped back with an updated article presenting, quote, further evidence in February this year, 2022. They ran a myriad of new tests where they, quote, reiterate the conclusions of the previous study, ya bitches, that either (laughs) self-awareness in animals or the validity of the mirror test needs to be revised. Emphasis and ya bitches has been added. I'm all for revision of the concept of self-awareness. Always. So they really broke down the experiment such that they addressed as many of the criticisms and then some that could be lobbed in their direction. The fish, I'm sorry, I mean, the first thing that they did was 17 more fish into their study. And they all did the scraping behavior. All right, so that's more fish. CODA 2022 also pointed out that Gallup only tested six chimps on this thing. And two of them were mere naive animals that didn't even recognize that they had a mark. So they politely suggest that you get back into the fucking lab, you ape people. (laughs) I mean, there's no way in academia, Gallup's original study would have been accepted today, 52 years later. Oh, wow. It's been a while. I mean, yeah, for sure. I echo that sentiment. I just am also surprised by the passage of time. (laughs) Apparently. This isn't a physics podcast. It's okay. You don't need to be aware of the (laughs) temporal shifts. I feel like I do, though. (laughs) (laughs) Another example of what they did, I I don't want to go through all of them for time's sake, but one sticking point that DeWall and Gallup had was the, the marks made on the fish, this elastomer injection, could have had a physical sensation that yeah. yeah that further drove them to try to recognize the mark and made it more salient in the mirror. Well, this was in spite of the original COA paper showing that a clear injection did not increase the scraping behavior. So, okay. So you know what COA did? Added different colors, whole lots of different colors, blue, yellow, brown. That's an older color. And also clear again. (laughs) Is this the basis for the rainbow fish? Yes. Is the rainbow fish actually an experimental fish? Oh, man, I want you're making me want sushi tonight for dinner. Jesus. So a whole lot of other colors that weren't just this black and brown, ethologically relevant color. And what they found was the scraping only happened with the ethologically relevant brown color. So their design of making the mark relevant to the animal increased their ability to perform this test that might not tell us too much about self-awareness as previously supposed. I don't know what opsins or color sensing... Yeah, it was just molecules these fish produce. And never mind, I've already read like five papers associated with this single news and noteworthy. I'm not reading Hmm. anymore. You're done with fish vision. I'm done with fish vision. I think that they see yellow and and blue, but no, no, we're not going there. Okay, there's a bunch of other experiments that they did as well. Another one that I really liked was uh, that they physically moved the mirror the fish could realize that it's still themselves they didn't go back in the stages of the mirror test and act aggressively unlike macaques who are unaware of spatial contingencies and will start to attack the mirror again if it's placed somewhere else so they performed better than dumb old macaques personal note i hate macaques What is your vendetta against macaques, Amiel? They're so mean. They're just so needlessly mean and ugly. They're ugly people. Ugly, dumb people that we keep in cages. Saggy bodies and fleshy faces. And you can't smile at them because they think you're Mm. attacking them with your teeth. I also wonder about the better safe than sorry of it all. What do you mean? So sometimes I catch my reflection in a mirror, and I might get a bit jumpy. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
That depends on whether I'm home alone at night having um, just listened to a spooky story uh-huh. or whether I'm just chilling in a in a chill in a chill state. This is reminding me that back in the days where it used to make sense to go up into a room full of people and just spew air that uh, <laughs> I used to have a bit <laughs> that I was working on about how like it's not fully fair that reacting to a mirror image of yourself is billed as as not having self-awareness because there are yeah there are plenty of times where i catch myself in a mirror and i go (laughs) (laughs) you've just insulted yourself on so many different levels but I also complimented myself because uh-huh. I have taste. Uh-huh. <laughs> and a startle reflex. Now I want to stress out a bunch of monkeys and see how they respond to stuff. Coda et al. Mm. state, yep, that's a real transition, people. <laughs> they state, quote, the combined accumulated evidence should be more difficult to be dismissed. I'm going to have to add you bitches here again. <laughs> than the previous study, end quote. They suggest more species would show evidence of this MSR if the task was configured to be more ethologically relevant to them. No shit. When asked to comment on the new study, DeWalls reportedly said, quote, These new experiments, the evidence for mere self-recognition, is about as strong as it can get, and moreover shows that the marks need to be ethological need to be ethologically relevant. I'm sorry, it, it changes it from ethological to ecological because oh, it doesn't... Yeah, un- ecological yeah. validity, ethological relevance. Yeah. You dicks, fuck words. I know, it's your ongoing campaign against words. <laughs> uh, ethologically relevant to people who don't know means that it has to do with the life of the animal and it being part of its natural state. Mm, Do you have a a go-to example? So the kind of shorthand, the motto for ethology, the slogan that goes on the billboard under ethology (laughs) is interviewing an animal in its own language. Uh, The the first example that comes to mind, which thanks Robert Sapolsky's YouTube lectures that I used to listen to while working out, um, has to do actually with the mirror self-recognition test. So if you put that dot on a monkey's forehead mm-hmm. and wait for it to see its dotted forehead in a mirror, you're going to be waiting a long ass time because it is very rude to look at another monkey in its eye region. Mm. So if you don't take that shit into account, um, it's your own fucking fault. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Sweet. The sentence I was trying to say before... And moreover, shows that the marks needed to be ethologically relevant in that they need to be of the color that the cleaner fish generally respond to. DeWalls then still defends his new gradualist approach to self-awareness and argues that no other cognitive trait appears out of nowhere evolutionarily. Sure. And when I'm not grinding my gears thinking about how I could prove that last Mm. statement on evolution wrong. Yeah. I mean, iPads. I mean, yeah, there's just certain jumps that... Never mind. Mm -hmm. Other more important people in the field of cognitive behavior (laughs) are coming to terms with this new perspective that, quote, the degree of self-awareness may well differ between species in ways that are independent of performance in the mirror test. I mean, yeah, yeah. The quest to answer this question has a new chapter, thanks to these Osaka City University researchers. And we are ever closer to understanding that we are family. No. Um, (laughs) This debate seems like it's going to push the significance of the Mark test into the shadows. As we further come to this realization that animals, they're just like us. Because they they are us. What? Fucking finally, man. Fucking finally. Yeah. So having heard all of that, 
Um, did you have any other beliefs about the mirror test or takes that you wanted to share? Well, the connection between the mirror test and self-awareness just reminds me a lot of um, object permanence as a concept and how it's linked to understanding of existence. Yes, that's what I was trying to bring up with my clumsy analogy about recognizing your tail. Like, let's say that there's an object that's breaking up the continuous line of your body and your tail if you still recognize that it's your tail and not something that you need to attack, that's kind of like this type of proprioception that involves like a little bit of recognizing the self in something that is other. So I don't know whether it's my current shoulder problems or what, <laughs> but I'm suddenly now wondering what happens when um, I'm just wondering about the, the frequency at which different animals limbs fall asleep. <laughs> so, I mean, you you recognize that this isn't a major question. This isn't what? like. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, Why okay, it kind of not? is. Honestly, no. yeah, it kind of is. But it's not like a key to all cognition. I would like to say that on the entire planet, maybe about 10 other individual humans have had this thought in the last day. No, well, day. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Maybe. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, well, thousands of animal limbs are going quiet and pins and needly. Yeah, nerves fucking matter. People care about that shit. And when a nerve, you know, what's what's a what's a mouse's version of the stranger? That's a terrible thing I just said. Oh my! <laughs> Closing ceremonies time. Good. <laughs> Save me from myself. So this is Closing Ceremonies. We are just going to leave you with uh, little stories or takeaways or something to carry with you until we join you again in the next journal club. My takeaway is uh, some kickball drama that I had recently. So I signed up to be the coach of my kickball group of strangers. Pretty much nobody really knew every other person on the team before starting on the team. Well, can anyone really know someone? Certainly not. (laughs) I'm sorry, that takes me to the tangent. Can I do a tangent? Tangent, tangent, tangent! When, I don't know why, but for, for comedy. For comedy, a while ago, I had to try to come up with a joke hypothesis. And what I came up with, and I think I might have said on the show, but I'm not sure, was the reason that a baseball team only has nine members necessary is because a man can only truly love eight other men at once. Huh. Oh, yeah, because eight is enough. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Nobody knew anyone else on this kickball team, and I decided to be do the most unthanked job by trying to wrangle these people, decide who's playing what, what the order for kicking is, and I made a mistake the last time that I painstakingly set up who's playing what position and what innings and in who's kicking in what order. Somebody just no-called, no-showed on the game. Oh, fuck. And so I had to, like scratch things out and change them on my boards and so the next game i was like i've learned now i'm gonna pre-write everything in pencil and then as people show up i'm gonna write it in this pen Uh oh. we go out on the field first inning and we're missing a player then we realize we're missing two players the people that i had assigned to the bench at that point were like okay you come out but then that means this person has to go here and that per- and it's a big mess mm-hmm. What happened was somebody showed up a little bit later and I hadn't written their name in on his pen. So they thought that they had not been given any position for the game. They thought that they weren't going to be playing. They got upset and left. Jeez! Okay, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, (laughs) their girlfriend was on the team and chased after him. So that's why we lost two players (laughs) out of nowhere. I felt really bad. And the next day I sent him an email uh, apologizing that he couldn't, like, obviously I hadn't set up an environment where he felt like he could just talk to me about. That's pretty weird. Yeah. A game's happening. 
and you just uh, yeah it, he made a mistake but sure. i was i was just apologizing for mine mine was for some reason this guy didn't feel comfortable just coming up and asking me about something so i hadn't set up that environment i am ted lasso and <laughs> and i pointed out to him hanlon's razor which is a saying that goes never attribute malice mm. that which is adequately explained by stupidity yeah and i was like i made a mistake here's why you were on the thing it was just in pencil and you couldn't see it um, reading this COA 2022 paper, they referenced a 19th century psychologist named C. Lloyd Morgan and his canon, which states, in no case is an animal activity to be interpreted in terms of higher psychological processes, if it can be fairly interpreted in terms of processes which stand lower in the scale of psychological evolution and development. I think... Part of my mistake also was that I shouldn't feel as bad as I did about this yeah. guy. And instead, I should have assumed that they had a lower stand on the scale of psychological evolution. <laughs> that's a, a slope that's not slippery at all. <laughs> so that's my take away. If you could just pretend people aren't mean and maybe they're just stupid or have a lower standing <laughs> on the scale of psychological evolution, maybe it'll make you feel less bad for things that you shouldn't feel that bad about. Yeah. And if assuming that people are stupid is a, you know, a smidge too mean, there's also just assuming that people are smart but busy and distracted. Because yeah. that's a major cognitive de-resourcifier. Totally. And later I found out this guy was a fan of Carrot Top, so I think I'm hmm. okay. He was like, <laughs> this guy actually said to me, he just goes up to this trunk of objects and he'll just pull one out and make a bunch of jokes about it. <laughs> but I want... Someone to follow me around describing things that are happening in that way. Oh my god. What a way to see the world. Oh, I certainly don't want to make anyone upset, but the fact that he was upset because he didn't have more of a perspective of the possible reasons that surrounded something that happened makes me feel just a little bit better. Yeah, but that's a pretty reasonable... Yeah. Yeah. What's your takeaway, Leah? My takeaway was going to be about how <laughs> we have connective tissue that grows and unless we gnaw it down by stretching, but I accidentally talked about that up top. So instead, <laughs> the only thing I can think of is a, is a little thing I've been chewing on all week about <laughs> capybara seekotrophy. Oh, so, Mm -hmm. It was like, <laughs> it got exceedingly cute and then disgusting, just <laughs> within a second of itself. That's my sweet spot. You know, okay, you've, you've brought up Capybara Seekotropy before, so uh, what new fresh take do we have in store for us? Yes, so I cannot for the life of me remember what brought this up, but... Um, I saw it referred to as night feces, which is it's like its common name. Um, that that's one of the colloquial things that cicatrips might be called. Uh, there's these soft pellets; they're kind of like bunch of crunch, but uh, different. It's basically butt cud. Some animals chew their cud. Some animals also chew their cud, but it but it comes out the butt, and it spends a lot of time in the cecum, which is this this pouch. We've talked about it mm -hmm. before. Um, I was thinking specifically about that designation night feces and the fact that it producing and ingesting those cecotropes is a behavior that happens at a certain time of day. Oh, I remember what the context was, actually, <laughs> and this is important. So that's a, a physiological process and a behavior that happens at a certain time of day. And the thing yes. that reminded me of this was someone was telling me about how she had no appetite in the morning. Just some okay. people, yeah, takes a while to wake up and get the digestive system online. And I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that's like that. 
including, oh wait, seek a trophy. <laughs> I was specifically thinking about that because you have to ferment that butt cud in the cecum, and that takes bacteria. Mm-hmm. So not mm-hmm. only is the animal on a very specific schedule, but so are all the microbes that are doing that work. It's another example of how cells that are in your body, not only your cells that are in your body, mm-hmm. also have those circadian rhythms. Yeah, even the cells that you just rent or host. Yeah. Yeah. So my takeaway is we are covered in other living beings and they've all got their own schedules. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> there are mites in your eyelashes. Good night. <laughs> Close them on up. Just <laughs> try to relax. Saw some really cool pictures of that. I will put it on Instagram. Excellent. Yes. So yeah, that that is my takeaway. We are we are very complex. We're different at different times of day, and so mm-hmm. are our little buddies. Yeah, I brought that up in a different, totally different context several episodes ago in regards to digestion. And yeah, if you're seeing things like a physicist, calories in, calories mm. out, bleep, bleep. <laughs> but just because you've put it in your, yeah, that's what uh-huh. like. uh-huh. God, I, I hate physicists. Uh, just almost as much as macaques. What no, about a physicist no, macaque? Oh, they're just, a, they cancel each other out. <laughs> like, now they're Wonderful. Adorable. Okay, good to know. What about like an amateur okay. physicist macaque? Oh, it's just the worst at a party, just throwing poop and saying, well, actually a yeah, lot. Yeah, like, just like a macaque who's seen a bunch of TED Talks. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they, they go bleep blorp, in, calories in, calories out. Just because you've consumed something doesn't mean that you're going to process mm-hmm. it in the same way as somebody else or even yourself if it was a different time of day. Amen. Yeah. Sometimes they house rabbits in cages where those cecotropes drop through and they can't get them back to eat them. Their nutritional needs are different. So many different ways to be alive on Earth. Yeah. Makes me wonder about who came up with the idea of reincarnation. And when they came up with that, they did not know about microbes. Oh, shit. They had no idea that these little things existed. It's only later that the people who ascribed to that belief then potentially added that in as a taxonomy that they could be revived into. I would want to be reincarnated as a bacteriophage. I was thinking about this this morning. (laughs) What? Because, (laughs) Because the shorthand is phage, which just means eat. So we've essentially got an entire type of microorganism that we just refer to as little snackers. Right? Oh, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. Don't you love us? Don't you want to follow the show at Twitter, Misbehavior JC, and Instagram at the same thing? Smooth as glass. And as cold as ice, thank you for allowing us into your auditory pathway. Rate us on your podcast app. That would really help us out. We'd like to grow the club and you listening right now, you telling your friends and telling your enemies is the best way that we can do that. Just don't tell your If you pass a mirror and you're not really sure what's on the other side, (laughs) don't stop to check. Just say, hey, podcast. There's a good podcast. Mm -hmm. You should... Oh my god, I, we're asking you to please be a little bit pretentious <laughs> with your social activities. Is it? And I'm so sorry about that. But you could also just make posters for us and send us what the posters look like that you're posting around your laboratory or your department building. Oh, However you can get the word out. Well, we would absolutely appreciate it. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, thank you. We hope you join the club again soon. Don't forget to misbehave. Misbehave! It's like you're my mirror Oh, my mirror's staring back at me Oh, I couldn't get any bigger With anyone else beside me And I was clear as a promise That we're making two reflections into one Cause it's like you're my mirror Oh, my mirror's staring back at me Staring back at me 
You have been listening to the Anulo Podcast Network. We have four tremendous podcasts on our current roster. If you like the hit Broadway musical Hamilton, then you also might enjoy hearing the Ham Boys rank every song from the Hamilton soundtrack on Who Does a Podcast with hosts Headphone Joe and Kyle Loader. Get your sports talk radio fix with Cheers from the Press Box featuring Headphone Joe Dorville and stand-up comedian Brennan Tassif. Curious about how the brain works? Get your neuroscience knowledge with some laughs at Misbehavior Journal Club. This fortnightly science-slash-comedy podcast is where two lady researchers bring you the latest studies on behavior. It stars Amiel Moreno and Leah, a.k.a. Leah, or vice versa, Krevit. Finally, we have a new low. The podcast has started it all. This show features Farzad, Headphone Joe, Kyle Loader, L. Greg, and Scott by Scott. They discuss anything and everything depending on their moods or their level of sobriety at the time. Thank you for supporting the Anulo Network, and feel free to share your favorite episodes with friends and family. Thanks again, and goodbye.